May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and Talkspace, the leading virtual therapy provider, is encouraging people to talk it out in therapy. By talking or texting with a supportive, licensed therapist at Talkspace, you'll gain insights, discover truths, and experience breakthroughs that will improve how you live and how you feel. With Talkspace, just answer a few questions online, and you'll be matched with a therapist. And because you'll meet your therapist online, you don't have to take time off work or arrange childcare. You'll meet on your schedule, whenever you feel most at ease. Plus, Talkspace works with most major insurers, and most insured members only pay a $25 copay or less. No insurance? No problem. If you want to make progress toward a mentally healthier place, Talkspace is here for you. Now get $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80 when you go to Talkspace.com. Match with a licensed therapist today at Talkspace.com. Save $80 with code SPACE80 at Talkspace.com. Hello and welcome to Talk Spooky to Me, the Ghost Story Guys mail show. I'm Brennan Storer. I'm Paul Bestall. And this is our opportunity to hear from you, our listeners. Paul, my friend, how are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. Life is good. It's warming up. We're doing okay. We've still not had any snow. Things are okay. Fabulous. It, it is warmed up here too, uh, for which I am deeply grateful. I, I actually, I don't have to be wearing a full suit every time I walk <laughs> around my apartment, which is lovely. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm down to one hot water bottle at night now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Rather than the the vast inventory that that was before. <laughs> I don't have a kettle, so hot water bottles are no good to me. Well, that's a very strange North American thing. I, you know, it's it's funny. We have one in Victoria because uh, I I used to drink a lot of tea, but when I moved to London, obviously I couldn't bring anything. And Nick uses the kettle, so I'm not going to steal the kettle. And when I got here, I bought a Keurig machine and not a kettle because I only have a certain number of outlets. And I made this executive decision. And don't get me wrong, I'm saving a lot of money on coffee. However, no hot water bottles. I saw a meme the other day when somebody went, somebody went oh, British people laughing at Americans when they hear about them microwaving their tea. And uh, somebody underneath went, well, are we supposed to drink it lukewarm like they do in England? And I was like, have you never heard of a kettle? Do you know how kettles work? It boils when it reaches 100 degrees, which as far as I'm aware, isn't lukewarm. That is the work of someone who has heard you have warm beer and just extrapolated this for everything you drink. Like the English people have painfully sensitive mouths. Yeah. We don't have and warm beer either. No, I know. But that's that's what people <laughs> over here are told. They drink their beer warm. and <laughs> I've, never had a, I've never had a beer long enough to, for it to go warm. <laughs> uh, it, just before we get to the email... Because, of course, that is the point of the show. I was at a pub last night, and there was a birthday party happening in the other half of the bar. I watched this birthday party go from a bunch of 30-something women gleefully singing Blink-182 and The Killers to just before 1 a.m., one of them saying to the other, look at me. Look at me. I fucking hate you. <laughs> It was amazing. There are times where I, I miss my drinking days just, just for being involved in things like that. But I, I got to be on the periphery of it, which is honestly probably better. <laughs> yes, I'll be, looking, I'll be looking forward to my uh, first venture to the pub 
this year and uh, next weekend. Oh, very nice. Yeah, I've done dry January, not because I wanted to, just <laughs> haven't gone out. And I don't drink right. in that house, unless it's a special occasion, like Eurovision. Well, though, yeah, un- understandably so. Which, which we're going to win this year. Of course, naturally. Humor him, folks, he needs us. Yeah, we, we're entering somebody that people have heard of again. <laughs> Robbie Williams. Years and years. Is that a band? Uh, it's, a, it's one chap, Ollie Alexander. He's an actor as well as a musician. And he doesn't hang out with Jeremy Corbell, which seems like a real recommendation. <laughs> yes, he was He was extremely popular. He was in the It's a Sin miniseries about the uh, AIDS crisis exploding in the UK. That's probably what made him most famous. So, uh, Well, we may not win Eurovision here on Ghost Story Guys, but we can win our listeners' hearts. <laughs> Douze points. What'd you call me? <laughs> Time to check the mail. Our courteous and efficient staff is on call 24 hours a day to serve all your supernatural elimination needs. We're ready to believe you. All right. So our first message comes from Gerard Fioravanti. And ordinarily, of course, we don't read people's last names, uh, but there is a reason which you will see here in a moment. Gerard says, I recently published my book, The Baker's Ghost. It's a story about my haunted pastry shop in Huntington, New York. We have witnessed multiple paranormal activities from seeing items moved, hearing sounds, and voices being heard. Most of the ghosts have been identified, but a few are the prominent pranksters. The book is based on true, real events with some fiction to tell the story of how Eddie the Ghost died. The book is available on Amazon and just about everywhere. Books are sold. And Gerard, congratulations on on publishing your book. You sent us that email, and we thought we'd mention it here so our listeners could find it if they were so inclined. And uh, I also want to give a shout-out to The Lady in the Bay Window, by William C. Grave, which is another book published by one of our listeners. And uh, I think, Paul, I think Lady in the Bay Window, I think that one actually takes place in Sheffield. Oh, yes, yes, yes. It's been released for charity. He's he's smashed it. I think he's raised £20,000. Has he? Oh, that's fantastic. I, yeah. I, I'm good for him. Yeah. I think there was an article that recently on Higgy Pop talking about the book and stuff. Oh, okay. Um, Strangely enough, we were, we, were, we were talking over the summer, and I'm, and I'm not sure what happened because I wanted to have him on mysteries and monsters so uh, if you're out there drop me a line because i'm not sure what happened yeah 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 please do we i, I want to hear that episode and uh, i just wanted to mention one more book it's not got nothing to do with our show uh well sort of it does but i heard this person interviewed on another podcast uh the book is called sometimes illness wins a guide to understanding and living with grief by carrie black and becky bowles and it is just a, a sort of a guidebook on dealing with grief and what to expect, what to kind of expect from from the people around you, from your body, from your from your mind. It, it's it's it sounds like a really good resource for people who are who are working through grief. So I just thought I would mention that here as well. And uh, we've had some requests to keep putting things in the show notes. So if you hear about a book or a movie on the show, we'll do our best to put it in the show notes, and you'll find that at ghoststoryguys.com. So the show notes for every episode, they're in your podcatcher. But different podcasters format them differently, and some of them look like garbage, which drives me fucking nuts. So I've started putting the full and complete show notes at ghoststoryguys.com. But uh, yeah, congratulations to Gerard Firavanti and his book, The Baker's Ghost, William Seagrave with The Lady in the Bay Window, and Carrie Black and Becky Bowles with Sometimes Illness Wins, A Guide to Understanding and Living with Grief. Next up is from Stella, who says... 
Listening to your podcast today brought a smile to my heart. I live very close to Lake Erie's South Shore. Before cable, we could pick up CFPL out of London, Ontario easily. The signal was so strong that we daily watched the after-school programming and hockey night in Canada. I grew up thinking that a woman named Alice Chalmers owned a factory. <laughs> I grew up thinking that a woman named Alice Chalmers owned a tractor factory. How cool is that? When I was a kid, Dave Keon and Frank Mahalovich were standouts of the Maple Leafs. We Americans were treated not just to Canadian TV. We could easily pick up the 7.40am out of Toronto for the CBC network. Their Saturday and Sunday morning lineups had quirks and quarks. The Jack Farr programme, make more wieners, I'll eat five. And Sundays, the Royal Canadian Air Farce. Yeah, that was our uh, our Saturday Night Live. All right. <laughs> Gonna say that's a bit personal. <laughs> it was a great gift from Canada to share their culture. Can't say I would watch all 19 seasons of Murdoch Mysteries, but I had friends and family on this side of the lake who were avid fans. Thank you, Brennan and Paul, for bringing back those golden memories. Well, thank you, Stella. Uh, that uh, I'm I, half of those shows. No, not half. Most of those shows I've never heard of. I have to be brutally honest. The Air Farce I'd actually forgotten about. Uh, we we had two shows like that. We had the Air Farce, and then we had This Hour Has Twenty Two Minutes. And uh, I I remember them being on, and I remember a, f- a few of the gags, but but they weren't something that we watched regularly because again, Canadians are terrible at watching Canadian entertainment. <laughs> Paul Gross could be standing behind me right now with a knife in his hand. I wouldn't see him. <laughs> yes, well, other than Murdoch Mysteries, all, all of that message was, was like Latin to me. <laughs> Did you guys get, and we might have talked about this, did you guys get Degrassi? Yeah, we got the kids of Degrassi High or wherever it was. Okay, yeah. But I, I was one of those children that didn't understand the, entertain, the, the appeal of watching other children at school as entertainment. I was like, well, I hate going to school. Why do I want to watch other kids going to school? I hate them. I hate my school. I don't want to watch anybody at school. Show me a dragon. Fuck off. Paul, show me a dragon, Bestel. <laughs> I get it. Oh, let's watch Grain Jill. No, let's not. I never watched it either. I, I didn't give a shit. As, as you see, like, like you say, I, I, I watch people at school. Um, but I, I, was, I went to go see, uh, uh, what was it? Oh, I went to go see The Shining at Highland Cinema here the other night and they announced their new their upcoming slate of special features prior to the show and uh, they're doing a special uh, they're going to watch I think like a Degrassi movie from whatever time period that was and they're going to have two of the stars there doing a meet and greet uh, starting at 5.30 and then a Q&A after the, after the movie and I, I want to I'm kind of curious like again I know fuck all about Degrassi so I, I'm considering going but I'm also worried that I'm going to run into one of these people and not know who they are, and terribly offend them. Apologies to anybody who who appeared in Degrassi High who listens to this show. <laughs> yeah, it's entirely possible. You are Canadian icons. I am not insulting you. I just don't know who you are because I didn't watch your show. <laughs> Be like Nicole Kidman doing a Q&A of BMX Bandits. Oh, come on. You and I both know we'd watch that. Well, I, I would. It would remind me of a time that I loved my BMX. <laughs> I just imagine her her doing the commentary for BMX Bandits, and it's just primarily her saying, how'd you get this number? <laughs> We've moved on. <laughs> See, I wasn't going to do the Australian accent, Paul. Uh, Bonza. Oh, boy. On the, on the subject, just quickly on the subject of, like, 
you know, Nicole Kidman refusing to take the call for the BMX Bandits commentary. <laughs> I I recently picked up a copy of Freeway, which it, it, have you seen that one with uh, Reese Witherspoon and uh, Kiefer Sutherland? It rings a bell. It's a modern retelling of uh, oh, what the hell is it now? Uh, Little Red Riding Hood, but uh, instead of a, a wolf, Kiefer Sutherland is a highway serial killer. It came out in '96, and it's it's actually I'd never seen it before. I I just happened it, it was released by Vinegar Syndrome, uh, which is a distributor whose work I really enjoy. I happened to be in their physical store in Toronto. They had it there, and I thought, well, fuck it, let's buy it. We'll give it a try. I always meant to watch it, and I I loved it. But it's it's a bizarro movie, and it was one of I think one of Reese Witherspoon's first starring roles. Yeah, it will have been mid nineties. Yeah, because he was in um, really bad film that some people think is a cult classic with Sarah Michelle Gellar and the man that cannot act, Ryan Phillippe. Oh, Cruel Intentions. That's the one. Was she in Cruel Intentions? I forgot about that. Yeah. She's the victim, isn't she? No, that's... She's the one they're manipulating. That's Sailor Ward, I think. No, I'm sure it's Reese Witherspoon. Google it, bitch. <laughs> I'm, going, I'm going to the Google. We're taking, we're taking this to dad. <laughs> oh, the internet's down. I can't tell you. We can't, we can't look it up. <laughs> you beautiful bastard all right yeah so that was that was her that was 90 that was 99 so they, they looked at they looked at her shooting Kiefer sutherland in the face and said this is a woman who's got a future in film yeah yeah well she was acting with a door in that particular film so why not uh, just quickly i i had a friend a friend a uh, guy i knew we'll say who cooked uh, at an upscale restaurant in new york that was kind of a, a hot spot and there were some stories about Kiefer, is, is all I'll say. He was apparently a, a colorful fellow. Is he another Canadian? He is. Mm. I do not behave that way <laughs> when I'm in my cups, let's be clear. That's <laughs> all I'll say. Thank God for William Shatner. The last time and first time anyone's <laughs> ever said that. <laughs> Next up is from Michael. Michael says, hi, guys. I love the latest episode about military hauntings. I'm in the military, and I've got a proposition for you. I lived in a house during my time at Salisbury Plain. It was haunted as all hell, doors shutting, voices the works. There was even one of those little electronic talking toys that said a creepy line in a weird voice that we never heard before or since. Now, after we left, the new owners found my wife on Facebook and asked if anything creepy had happened to us while we were there. That got me thinking, I wonder if any of your other listeners have had experience on the Salisbury Plains. And the list, and Michael suggested uh, wondering about the specific avenue, but then he said, don't give out the address. So Buford seems to, we'll, we'll say, does anyone out there have any experiences in Buford? Uh, I assume I'm getting the pronunciation right there. No, Paul, it's not like Bufford or... You never know how they pronounce anything in Wiltshire. Okay, fair. It's like Devon. Just because it's written in English doesn't mean you pronounce it anything like it's written. Oh, really? Of course. Part of the, the, the test that they like to do in the Southwest. Right. <laughs> so you can tell whether or not you're, you're from there? Uh, probably. All the, all, all the place names were created by the Fae. No comment. So you've got to be, uh, but Salisbury's a very, you know, it's a very spooky place. They used to have a, um, they used to have a headless ghost terrify staff in their Debenhams when Debenhams was a thing. Oh, is Debenhams not a thing Salisbury. anymore? No, they went bust. Oh, okay. Most major retailers in this country. But yes, so uh, Salisbury is a, a particularly spooky place. It's also well known for having a, a village called Imber, I think it was. Okay. That the... Uh, MOD turned up one day and said, right, everybody's moving and just told everybody to leave and took them all out and left the village where it was. Oh, why? 
because uh, they want to, I think th- there's like um, armament testing facilities near there and stuff. And I think they wanted to house uh, army personnel there during the war. Um, yeah, it's about, oh, about 1942, 1943. It's still standing, the village. There was um, there was a chap who was born there recently who who passed away and they had to get special permission to have him buried in the churchyard. How strange. I can understand if there was, you know, some kind of natural reason, like, like say, Centralia, you know, where they, the town was no longer safe to occupy. But to just say, like, no, we, we want to blow stuff up here, that seems so arbitrary. Yeah, there's a few of the strange lost. We don't have many of them compared to, say, North America or Australia with ghost towns. But there are some villages that have just been abandoned. Imber is one of them. There's several under reservoirs that were just flooded. I'll be damned. No, I, I had no idea. There's the Vampire Village in North Yorkshire, I think it is. The Vampire Village, why is it called that? Loads of people, would, all the bodies were discovered in the churchyard with bricks in the mouths. What? Mm, the, I forgot what it's called now, hang on. It, it's one of those typically weird British names. Yeah, so it's uh, an abandoned village called Warren Percy in North Yorkshire, I think it was. And uh, they only discovered this about 10 years ago, and they discovered that uh, there were loads of bodies buried and uh, realised that the people believed that they were beset by a vampire plague and the revenants were rising from the graves so there's uh, loads of bricks in the mounds and things that's crazy what what possessed them to think that <laughs> i think it's like 13th 14th century oh, oh okay so it's, a, it's a fair time ago it's not like sort of 150 years ago but yeah you know like i say one of those wonderful english village names warren percy it is quintessentially english <laughs> So, yeah, it was the first time we'd discovered anything like that in the UK. I'll be damned. Well, Michael, uh, well, again, we'll put the call out there. If anyone has experiences from Buford, write in, let us know, ghoststoryguys at gmail.com. Now we're going to take a quick break to pay the bills, and we'll be right back. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and Talkspace, the leading virtual therapy provider, is encouraging people to talk it out in therapy. By talking or texting with a supportive, licensed therapist at Talkspace, you'll gain insights, discover truths, and experience breakthroughs that will improve how you live and how you feel. With Talkspace, just answer a few questions online, and you'll be matched with a therapist. And because you'll meet your therapist online, you don't have to take time off work or arrange childcare. You'll meet on your schedule, whenever you feel most at ease. Plus, Talkspace works with most major insurers. And most insured members only pay a $25 copay or less. No insurance? No problem. If you want to make progress toward a mentally healthier place, Talkspace is here for you. Now get $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80 when you go to Talkspace.com. Match with a licensed therapist today at Talkspace.com. Save $80 with code SPACE80 at Talkspace.com. Next up is from Anonymous, and this is the listener who submitted the story that inspired our second military episode, The Man in the Chair. If you haven't heard that episode, if you're new to the show, make sure to check it out, Haunting in the Military Part 2. It was a, a really, really fascinating story of what appeared to be a jinn encounter in Helmand Province in Afghanistan. So Anonymous says, thank you so much for reading my story on the show. I listened to it at least three times over because honestly, even though I experienced it, Hearing someone else tell it made my experience feel vindicated and helped me feel some closure. Like I said, I never even talked about it with the other HM who saw it because he clearly gave signals he just wanted to be done with it. For that reason, I kept it pretty mum, and to hear it myself out loud, it was a way to process it and help me realize what I experienced was actually abnormal, almost like therapy. 
just like some of the grim shit you see in emergency and combat medicine, you get desensitized and it takes someone else telling you that these experiences are not normal and you aren't supposed to be used to it. So thank you. I hope some people write in and maybe help you give some ideas and possible alternate explanations. I'd honestly love someone to debunk it, truly. I'll make a one-time donation to the show to thank you for the free accidental mental health session you dudes provided for me. Secondly, I have to say that your description of London, Ontario water being like hobo pissed filtered through a jockstrap made me laugh out loud, but probably deserved its own content warning. Not only did you paint a picture of the taste, but also the smell. So thanks for that. Sounds like you need a Brita to take a damn shower in. <laughs> Loved spending my spooky season with you guys. If you're ever in Maine slash Northeast US, give a holler. I'll fix you up a nice supper with some local brews. Well, thank you, Anonymous. And uh, yeah, the water here is uh, is the shits. And I, I, don't, I don't know if it's a whole city or if it's just my building, but it ain't great. So I've, I've, got a, I've got a Brita filter in the kitchen and I actually have an inline shower filter as well. So it no longer smells like I'm showering in said oboe piss. <laughs> I was going to suggest using snow to uh, use for water, but you don't want to end up in a similar kind of scandal that Drew Barrymore recently found himself. What did she... Uh, uh, the scandals involving snow have to be the least of her problems, but do, do tell. <laughs> Apparently she posted on Instagram or some other social media platform, uh, oh, look, first snow, and then she got some and made a drink out of it, and everybody was like, oh, my God, you're eating shit. Do you not know the first snowfall full of urine and nitrogen and... And so this whole conversation started about when is the best snow to eat? And apparently the first snowfall does tend to be full of chemicals and dirt and stuff. Interesting. I I have... I lived in the winter for the first 24 years of my life. I never heard that. No, I hadn't either. But apparently lots of people got very exercised about this particular situation, far more than they should do when there's other matters of interest occurring in the world getting exercised about shit they don't need to is is pretty much the only point of the internet right now and i I, i've stepped back from social media a large degree because i just i can't i just can't do it it's just a bunch of people being pissed off about things i mean sure some things absolutely deserve to be pissed off about other things no you're just you're farming outrage and i just don't have time for it the only only uh advice we were ever given is just don't eat it if it's a different color yeah Again, considering what she, her show did during the strike, eating snow is the the least of Drew Barrymore's problems. Or those ads she's doing for whatever mobile game it is. You look them up on YouTube just 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 to kill whatever joy is left in your heart. She's doing ads for some mobile command Android game or so. I don't know. Anyways, it's not great. Yeah, there's lots of people turn up on that. Kate Beckinsale's doing one at the minute. Is she? This is why we can't get any of these goddamn ads because all these celebrities who are having a hard time are glomming up, the, are glomming them up. Because <laughs> we we actually did a we did a prospectus for a, a mobile game a while back. We didn't get it. And I'm sure there's Kate Beckinsale's sales over there, you know, counting your nickels. Well, if it's not Angry Birds, I'm not bothered. <laughs> I, I don't want to play it. I just want to cash their checks. <laughs> Basement monster has needs. <laughs> Sounds a little too much like metaphor for my taste. Yes, yes. Well, he can deal with his own needs, I'm not. That's fair. Lisa from the Dreary Midnight podcast writes to say, So, on the Military Haunting podcast, you mentioned a potential Goatman Bridge. I've heard of the term, but semi-local to us is the Bunnyman Bridge in Fairfax, Virginia. Despite growing up nearby, I hadn't heard of it until I was an adult. The story I heard was that there was a guy who had either been released from a mental asylum or had been released from jail and happened to be mentally unwell. Either way, he got off the bus, leaving from the jail or asylum, presumably, 
and vanished near this railway bridge, and a few weeks later people started getting killed or harmed by a guy in a bunny suit with an axe. There's no word on how he got the bunny suit or the axe. And now, apparently the bridge is haunted, but only on Halloween. Did I mention he was released at Halloween? I asked my fiancé, who grew up in Fairfax, if he'd heard anything, and apparently there's another possible story where a guy leaves dead rabbits at the sites of unspecified human violence. He apparently tried to convince his first girlfriend that the bridge into his neighbourhood was the Bunnyman Bridge. It was not. Also, if he tries that with me, I'm divorcing him. We're not married yet, but I'm too paranoid. <laughs> <laughs> there seem to be more stories about the guy than the bridge but it's a Civil War-era train tunnel, so it's spooky on its own. Anyway, talking about Goatman Bridge made me think of that. Here's the Wikipedia link to explore more if you want to. Thank you for an awesome show. Well, thank you. And uh, it's kind of funny how local, like these, these local legends will spring up around stuff. I, I'm obviously, you and I, you know I'm, I'm working on this other, this other ghost project. And so I, I've been doing a lot of writing, a lot of research, and I was just reading about the Icebox Cave, or sorry, the Devil's Icebox in uh, just outside of Columbia, Missouri. It's a cave system. Apparently, it's the seventh largest cave in Missouri. It goes underground for about, uh, I think, six miles. And uh, apparently, back in the 70s, a group of cavers went in there in their canoe because there's a, a stream that goes through there, and a bunch of them drowned. They don't know how the, the canoe overturned. Uh, and a bunch of them drowned. And anyways, this legend has sprung up around the cave that it's haunted by some kind of malevolent, you know, nature or something that takes revenge on people who who venture into its domain. And I think, honestly, I mean, I, I haven't done a ton of research into it because I just kind of need the surface details for my story. But I think it it just comes from those poor motherfuckers having a bad, real bad time that day. But now it's become this this whole separate thing in, in Columbia, Missouri. Well, the Bunnyman Bridge, there is a there is a, a kernel of truth to it. Okay, uh, for example, there was two sightings in 1970. Um, I think one was strangely enough, one was by somebody who worked in the military, um, who saw a man by the bridge dressed in a rabbit suit waving an axe about. Though his fiance claimed he didn't have bunny ears <laughs> for whatever reason. And then a few weeks later, it happened again, and somebody dressed as a rabbit uh, started chopping at a post on a porch and shouted, if you come any nearer, I'll chop off your heads. And so they didn't, and they left. Now, they are factually reported incidents. They, they actually happened. They've been researched and been verified as actually happening. There is a whole other part of it which is all to do with the rabbits being left about and all that that essentially had never appeared in print anywhere until it was uploaded onto the internet at the end of the 90s it's a complete work of fiction which is one of those urban myths has now taken on a life of its own even being reported by forbes which claimed to have all this backstory and everything and every single location that was mentioned in it never existed no shit so the two incidents happened 1970 everything else is bullshit yeah and, and i think that's the case with this icebox cave because again there was a, the drowned uh cavers in the 70s and a kid in the 86 i think got trapped under a boulder there and uh almost lost his legs because it took him hours and it was a real touch and go to get him out and again i think just ever since then 
there's been this this legend because the one story I found and actually shout out to our listener Zoe who I've not mentioned on the show before but or I, I mentioned her in the past but like she she sent in this incredible trove of over 20 years of ghost stories uh, that she had been collecting and it just extraordinarily valuable and uh, this one story wasn't a ghost story but it, it comes from that cave and I think it kind of helps feed into the legend because this kid and his buddies went there back in 1980 and they were way, way in there with, uh, you know, their flashlights. And then all of a sudden this luminescence came up from a, a pool in the ground and they started losing their minds and these things breached the surface of the water and they just, just started going crazy. And then they realized it was, it was just cave divers coming back up, <laughs> but the reputation of the cave was such that just, yeah, you know, it just drove them mad with fear. And, and again, you wonder how many of these things are, are that these accumulations of stories i've heard enough real terrifying stories about people dying in the cave systems in certain parts of the united states not to i'm not even bothered about the ghost no that's it i require no convincing to stay above ground i'm going to be spending as i understand it a lot of time underground at some indeterminate point in the future i'm in no hurry to expedite that process especially that one about that chap who got stuck and he, he was basically wedged there and they just had to leave yeah nutty putty yeah, that's a bad scene, man. I, I think a long time ago, and I've, I've, we've talked about this before, but we actually had a listener who was in Nutty Putty in the days leading up to that. And one of their friends uh, was actually driven half mad with fear because she kept hearing a voice saying, one of you's going to die. One of you's going to die. And so they fucked off out of there. And of course, they were all fine. But I want to say a week, a week or two later, uh, the fella, this fella died upside down in that cave system. So who knows? But uh, caves, not a great place to hang out. Leave caves for Batman, folks. Leave caves for Batman. <laughs> and Bigfoot. Yeah, and Bigfoot, yeah. They have a timeshare. Yes, yes, they do. Now, there's a, there's a wacky sitcom I want to see. Bigfoot and Batman will be right back. <laughs> Bigfoot, we have to talk about you cleaning up after yourself. <laughs> Don't you say that to me. Oh, you know how I feel about my parents. <laughs> anyway, boy, we went way off the rails there. And, and so... Uh, was, was that still a not? No, that was that was Lisa. Thank you, Lisa. <laughs> and our last letter this time around comes from ZT. ZT says, hey, I'm way behind, but I just listened to the new episode. You talked a lot about the trauma kids have with not being believed regarding supernatural experience and how parents say kids are tough and write it off. Even if their experiences are entirely in their head, a dream or not part of what or not part of normal reality, they still need comfort. The cause of the experience may not be paranormal or what the kid thinks it is, but it is still a real experience. It is still something that terrifies them, traumatizes them, and affects them. Quote, real or not, the kid needs comfort and reassurance that you believe them and will do what you can to keep them safe. I fall on the skeptic side. I've had experiences I can't explain. I fall under trying not to believe without reliable evidence, which by its nature means science can't explain something if it is truly paranormal. That doesn't mean all the stories people have seen aren't them explaining their experiences to the best of their ability. The experience is real. The cause of the experience may not be what they think, but in order to be a safe space for others, especially kids, you have to believe that their experience is real and take it from there. When I'm sober and not pissed off by people discounting the real trauma kids experience at night, I'll share some of my unexplainable experiences. I have suffered chronic nightmares my whole life. Very few do I even think have the possibility of being something paranormal, but they're still frightening. I wake up screaming. My mom is the kindest person to have ever lived. She would never intentionally hurt anyone, including people who have deeply hurt her. I've had dreams during depressive episodes where my mom said things that her real-life counterpart would never feel, let alone say. 
These dreams were so vivid I woke up crying. I had to call her because I needed to hear her comforting voice. I needed to hear her say she loved me. Even in that moment, I knew she didn't believe the things she said in my dream. I just needed to hear her confirm it wasn't true. I am 34 and have called her in the middle of the fucking night just to hear her calm, comforting voice because of a dream thought up by my subconscious and insecurities. I'm nearly 35 and have lived alone for over a decade. I still need my parents to reassure me when I'm scared. Why wouldn't literal children? Even if the parent is correct about the cause, their child needs love and comfort. If there is something paranormal, then they need the same. Sorry for the mini rant, I just wanted to say that. I don't think most people lie about what they experience. I think many are incorrect about the cause, but most are honest about what they experienced. That is the value of sharing these stories. Real or not, there is so much they have in common. There's a reason for that. I love your show and I've listened on and off for years. You take a great approach. You don't embellish or discount someone's experience. I can't remember if it's in the episode title or an episode or two before it, but you said that you didn't agree with the listener's conclusion, but since they were at peace, you weren't going to argue. I agree with that approach. We agree that the experiences are real. We may disagree on the cause, but I admit it's not something that can be explained. There is harm that comes from a lot of beliefs, but you aren't promoting that. You're sharing people's stories. I enjoy listening to you both. I mainly listen as I paint, which makes me get behind when I don't paint as much. Have a good one. ZT. And thank you, ZT. That is, that's really lovely. I really, really appreciate that. We do our best. Like on the subject of, of something being real to them, I, I remember my grandmother uh, she's, she's long gone now, almost actually 20 years this year, but in her final days, she was living at home and she was on pain meds. And one day my grandfather went in to go check on her in the morning. And she said, when is this thing? He said, what? She said, when is this thing? When do we have, when do we have to do this? How, like how much time do we have to get ready? And he was genuinely baffled. He had no idea what she was talking about. And apparently the pain meds had caused her to hallucinate that members of her family had come in and were mad at her for her behavior and that we're going to have a big family brunch to finally uh, have it out about all these terrible things she'd allegedly done. And it seemed as real to her as my grandfather did in the room in that moment. And it took a while for him to convince her that, nope, there's no brunch. I mean, it probably could have been. She wasn't great. <laughs> it's a story for another time. Clearly that's, but yeah, the subconscious creating a scenario for her to try and deal with her own guilt, perhaps. Now that I have a lot of distance, you know, 20 years worth of distance from her death, I kind of wonder that. You know, there was a lot of complexity to that relationship, which I'm not going to get into on air. But I, I do sort of wonder if there was an awareness of, of this, you know, because she was very much uh, like an old school matriarch, you know, old school Italian matriarch. She kind of ruled the family with all the good and the bad that implies. But yeah, ZT, I mean, we, you know, one of the things we strive for on the show is just being a place people can come and, and share what's they're, what they're going through and find people who have been through it themselves. You know, whether that's a paranormal experience or something shitty going on in their lives, you know, or, or just a particular circumstance of life. Um, you know, it's funny. I actually heard from, um, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, you're, uh, Sonia, our listener, Sonia. Uh, she caught, she uh, posted about one of our episodes on Instagram recently. And she basically said, she said, hey, you know, I, I kind of have drifted from the show for a long time, but I've come back and I'm really enjoying it. And I said to her, I said, you know, I, I get it because that's sort of how the show works, you know, like with anything, I think you kind of connect with something during a particular point in your life. It provides you something you need. And then you sort of connect with other things and you sort of move away. And, and I think that's a totally, just a totally natural progression, you know? And, and I, I love that we get that with this show, man, because you and I have been doing this together for 
I guess almost, it's going to be what? Three years. It is three years. Yes. Yeah. And happy anniversary. <laughs> it's very nice of you. It's also the, today is the anniversary of uh, when I saved my friend's mum. No kidding. From having a heart attack. Oh my God. I had no idea. Do you mind telling the story? Oh yeah. Please, yep. Thought please. I'd right. So I was, I was already full of adrenaline because it was a, a big game for my, my, the team I support in football. And so I was nervously trying to find things to do. So I thought I'd go to the local supermarket and I usually get some bits and then I get a taxi home. But I was in there and I bumped into somebody I know, Hannah. I can say that because she doesn't listen to this show. And if she does, she's never told me. And I, I was going around and she said, oh, are you, how are you getting back? I said, oh, I'll just get a cab. She said, oh, no, I'm, I'm here with my mum. Wait for me outside and uh, I'll drop you off. And I said, yeah, okay, no problem. Completely by chance. So did all my shopping, stood about outside, waited a few minutes and they came out, got in, put my stuff in the car and we set off, driving up. And just as we were about to turn to go up to her, her house, her mum just went, ah, like this and just started checking wildly in the front passenger seat. She starts screaming. So I went, right, stop the, stop the car. Stop the car right now. So I stopped the car. I jumped out, ran round, tried to get her mum had gone unconscious and she was she was convulsing a little and stuff. And uh, and she'd kind of pushed herself so she was kind of rigid as well. So I couldn't get the seatbelt off. So I had to give her CPR while she was sat up, which is quite difficult. So I'm do- doing that. <laughs> For a, for a couple of minutes, she's screaming. Obviously, you know, her mum's. She thinks her mum's dead, and I'm doing this, and then suddenly she just went <sighs> and started breathing again and relaxed. So I was able to get the um, seatbelt unfastened. So I cradled her. Somebody, because we were parked outside somebody's house. This woman who was in, luckily was in, came running out. Are you okay? Is everything all right? I said, Could you get me blankets and stuff? Got her down there. So we're trying to phone the ambulance people. The ambulance people at the 111 service or where it was were, were trying to say, oh, you don't know what you're doing. Oh, are you sure Are you sure you really need somebody? And I just went, I can't fucking deal with this. And I gave the phone to Hannah. I said, right, you fucking speak to them. And I'm doing that. Got her mum in the recovery position and everything. This lady came out with a blanket and a pillow and everything. And we wrapped her up and kept her in, in the in the fetal position while we waited. And, uh, and she started coming around a little bit then. Took him about fifteen minutes, and uh, and she was fine. Thank God for that. So, what, do you know what happened? I, I'm convinced she had a bit of a stroke. They they said there was no evidence of it, but I've never seen anybody act like that in my life. Because she just she made this really weird, like internal screaming noise, and um, and she stopped breathing and she was turning blue and everything. So, and I've I've dealt with people who have had heart attacks previously. Um, so in my, my, you know, she didn't have a pulse. She wasn't breathing. She was turning blue. So and they would, they would say, oh, no, there was no evidence of that. But, you know, my mum went to went for a checkup after saying she'd been unwell for ages, only to be told that she'd had, a, had what's called a silent heart attack, which is a very strange phenomenon that people don't realise they're having them, and they have them, and it scars all the tissue around oh the heart. Oh, my God. Um. And she was fine, but they said, oh, yeah, by the way, you've had a silent heart attack. Um, so, yeah, um, so I, that I was already in a nervous wreck because <laughs> of the big match nerves. And um, and I was just I was I was I was like I was in a I was in a dream for the next three hours. I didn't know anything. I was just mooching around. I was just like, wow. 
it was it was so surreal and then i realized um that i'd completely lost track of time and i had like seven minutes to get to the train station and i ran there in four minutes <laughs> and i was like Poof. i was ne- i was full absolutely pumped full of adrenaline still um i and and obviously after the game went for i must have had i don't know 10 or 12 drinks didn't touch the sides nothing touched the sides at all i was absolutely flying with adrenaline um and and it took me a couple of days to sleep properly wow it was crazy luckily she was she was she was fine she made a full recovery that's incredible and it was just by chance was it though you wonder well, that's the thing, you know, as Jim Harold would say, too much of a coincidence isn't really a coincidence, you know? So, like I say, it was, I I decided at that particular time I was going to go to the shop and somehow bumped into them at the same time and they offered me a lift and I waited for them because if not, she'd have died. Goddamn. Yet another reason the world is better with Paul Bessel in it, in case we needed any further proof. <laughs> well, ZT, not only did you send us a brilliant email, you helped us uh, hear that story. So thank you very much. And thank you to everyone who wrote in. We love hearing your, I guess, reading your emails, hearing the voice notes you send. And you can always do that. Record something on your phone. Send it to ghoststoryguys at gmail.com. If you ask us not to play it, we won't. But otherwise, we will play it on the show. We'd love to play those. And thank you. Thank you for listening. And of course, we do have a musical guest. But before we get there, Paul, where can everyone find you online? You can find Mysteries and Monsters across all social media platforms and podcast safe spaces. Fabulous. I am Largely the Truth on Instagram, Threads, Blue Sky, and Letterboxd. And you can find my horror movie show, Weird Together, everywhere. Find podcasts live. We have a returning musical guest on this episode. In fact, for the next three episodes, which is sort of a theme. We have a, we have a, uh, a trilogy of, of story episodes coming up too, but we'll save that. So we played a track from DJ Greco Ray way back on our second Talk Spooky episode, The Tao of Tie Tying. And she is back with not only a solo track, but two collaborations that we will be sharing on upcoming shows. Tonight, we're going to feature her solo track. It is the brand new single, Reality. And if you like what you hear, you can find more of DJ Greco Ray's music by searching for Greco Ray on all your music streaming platforms or by following the Linktree link in the show notes. Thank you, as always, for listening, folks. We will see you next week for episode 180, whatever the hell it is. I forget already. (laughs) And until then, we will leave you with Greco Ray and reality.
May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and Talkspace, the leading virtual therapy provider, is encouraging people to talk it out in therapy. By talking or texting with a supportive, licensed therapist at Talkspace, you'll gain insights, discover truths, and experience breakthroughs that will improve how you live and how you feel. With Talkspace, just answer a few questions online, and you'll be matched with a therapist. And because you'll meet your therapist online, you don't have to take time off work or arrange childcare. You'll meet on your schedule whenever you feel most at ease. Plus, Talkspace works with most major insurers, and most insured members only pay a $25 copay or less. No insurance? No problem. If you want to make progress toward a mentally healthier place, Talkspace is here for you. Now get $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80 when you go to Talkspace.com. Match with a licensed therapist today at Talkspace.com. Save $80 with code SPACE80 at Talkspace.com.